Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? So I was listening to my favorite, uh, well, one of my favorites, um, Osho. And I know that we've we've talked about awareness becoming aware of itself or consciousness becoming aware of itself. We talk about that a lot because we're trying to put the consciousness on an object like our breath or being aware when we're fascinated by an object outside. And it goes back to like the key of soul, like understanding the subject and object. Osho blew me away because he was talking about it in a way that I hadn't really come up with yet. And he said, what you want to try to do is merge the subject and object. And he actually gives some mechanical tips on how to do it. He basically says, go to the mirror. Now, if if you're listening and you try this mechanic that I'm talking about, there is, you could get weirded out by it. It could, like, it can be a little disoriented. Some people get a little creeped out by the mirror, but it, it's an excellent exercise to understand the merging of the subject and object. And what he says is go to the mirror and instead of looking at your reflection, understand that the reflection is looking at you. So reverse it. So the subject, which I'm always the subject, and that as the awareness, and then I have the object of my attention, what he's saying you can do in the mirror is merge the two. And it's interesting because when you practice that, and you can see it, like in the mirror, it's pretty easy to see. Like it flips, it goes back and forth. Like, am I looking at the man in the mirror or the man in the mirror looking at me? You can kind of play with that back and forth. But then that's the state. That's the state out in nature where I found myself originally, where I'm looking at the tree, but my sensation is the tree is looking at me. And that's that state of beauty and bliss that comes in. It's that merging of the subject and object. Instead of being fascinated by your own understanding of whatever your attention is on, now you become open for the energy to come back. And this was pretty helpful for me understanding subject, object, location, the key of soul, and understanding how the consciousness becomes aware of itself. Deeper understanding there for me. Yeah, I had a, a interesting experience when I was younger with the mirror. Um, maybe I need to revisit that now after that traumatic experience. <laughs> had to do with uh, some some hallucinations going on that uh, I guess is kind of it. It was odd. It's it was really odd what happened, but. Um, now that you mention it, yeah, I think um, 
the mirror would be helpful for for merging the two. I mean, I can see it clearly in my mind's eye. Yeah, it it the mirror is very good because it teaches you the mechanic. Like it's pretty hard to argue with the mechanic. You can kind of see the shift in in the mirror because there's such a mechanism to like flip it. Almost like reverse the energy. There's a there's a there's a mechanism there. But then once you understand that subtle mechanism, now when you're out in nature, you can start picking it up a little bit better in nature. And that's one of the things from last year, like trying to explain, like, what is your new relationship to nature? Like, it's a very, very difficult thing to put into words, like where you're getting this new appreciation or gratitude um, in terms of nature, but it does sum it up when you listen to Osho and you realize like, oh, that's just the subject and the object like confusing itself within your consciousness and merging, like not being in such a state of I am the subject, my attention is on the object. And you're much more free to let those go back and forth and in doing so, you're in a much more, much more um, interesting energetic state where your your attention's not being always pushed out. It's like it's also coming back, and so there's a much more of a like a yin and yang um, part of your attention that definitely affects how you feel and how how you relate to the nature around you but i've never heard anybody talk about it as beautiful as what he was saying i was just like man he's nailing this one he seems to do that yeah Uh, Yeah. i think it helps with you know we we both kind of discovered even after you awaken you still have a pretty strong identification to the physical and the physical body. So that's one like mechanical thing, even when, when you're talking about uh, trying to achieve your astral um, projection and go further down the spiritual path on that side. uh, Those I think are really good impressions, what you just mentioned, because it, it's almost like non-identification because it's also putting yourself outside of your body as the observer, you know, observing yourself back as you sleep. And and you have to understand that you're capable of doing that. Well, and looking in the mirror and, and putting your consciousness in that, realizing that's you too. I mean, that connection has to be made, but it also has to be made in a, a dream to... Um, and that's exactly why you do the key of soul, so that 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 same light bulb pops on in a dream. Any anything to get you out of that identification that in this place where we're at, like three D physical, it's so easy to identify with the body. It's so easy to say, "Well, I'm just who I am," or "You're just who you are." And I think that exercise alone is is a good practice to get you 
out of that, especially with everything that we're doing. The, um, the constant reminder that can keep us getting closer and closer. Yeah. Just to honor his, um, overall point. So he, he makes, uh, that original mechanical declaration and then he talks about nature, but he does, he spends a lot of time also talking about the moon, which I thought was interesting, but within this same concept, and that's what he's asking you to do. He's like, spend some time with the moon and lose yourself between that subject object barrier. Like let the moon look at you. And from what he's saying is there's a very divine understanding that can come through um, that celestial object that we all have, you know, some kind of obvious relationship to with the cycles of the moon. But he's just asking for that to be explored further, which I haven't done in my experience. But after I was listening to him, I do think it could be interesting, which kind of goes into some ways, one of my other questions I had for the podcast tonight. Because he does say meditate on the moon. And so I understand that he's talking about like a practice, but it's interesting when you like look at the phrase like meditate on the moon and how you mechanically accomplish that. Through the mind's eye or actually meditation, like he's trying to have an astral experience meditation on the moon? Or are you talking about metaphorically? I think he's I think he's kind of all the above. I think he wants you outside actually engaged with the moon, the physical moon. Um he wants you to see if you can fix your point of view that the moon is looking at you rather than you're fixated on the moon. And then there's also like the mind's eye and like the later meditation, like what am I learning or what am I understanding from this divine feminine force that's represented in the moon? one to be discovered i haven't other than just gazing at the moon i haven't meditated on the moon but if i were going to set out to do it just with anything that i would say meditate on other than i never considered an object like that but it does seem to grab my mind's eye as you've been talking it's pretty easy to visualize the moon it seems um but meditating on not not really sure the benefits that that would bring other than obviously there's something there that that I haven't discovered yeah it's definitely interesting it's something to keep in mind in terms of um just being outside and uh to keep in mind but he does he he points out a lot of objects like that um he 
like for example he says meditate on picasso but he's talking about like meditate on a picasso painting and he's like see if you can meditate on a picasso painting and not get sick that's his offering to you he's like if you know how to meditate and you meditate on a picasso you'll be sick in 30 minutes really yes and then he goes off on picasso just talking about like how egoistic this guy's mind is and how it comes out in the art well i mean but I, then, I could see that um yes for sure but then he'll also say like in contrast to that meditate on the taj mahal like if you know how to meditate sit down and meditate on the taj mahal and it will show you wonders really yes hmm which I know for me, when I hear it, I'm like, I don't really put any attention in meditating on objects. But to hear somebody that I respect spiritually talk about it, I'm like, man, that could be some interesting um, exploratory ideas there. Yeah, when you, um, I originally thought that when you're talking about meditating on something, which you may be talking about this as well, but. I thought you were in particular talking about something that you see causes you some kind of discomfort or pain or when you think about a certain person or a childhood event or someone who wronged you, I was going in that direction to where, how do you meditate on that? And, um, but no, I haven't. I'm definitely going in that direction too, but I, I, I guess that's why the question really um, has been with me for the last week is there seems to be like such a range of stuff you can meditate on. And like with the Osho stuff, it's like, geez, like this is very, very specific, like meditating on an object. But then, you know, in some of the more, like you said, some of the other spiritual teachings in terms of like going over your day. And if there was, you know, an event that made you angry, you know, you can go back and you can meditate on that event. And so there are, and then like, you, there's also historical events, you know, events that you go back on. So you, I think you can meditate on like a source of suffering that you've comprehend, comprehended and now you're meditating on that but those are those are interesting because for me it's definitely challenging to meditate on like an event that angered me for example because it's it's hard to engage it without engaging the brain like you can actually see the split in the brain and the heart when you really sit down and you try to put effort and attention into that does Osho talk about astral projection? Now, I'm certainly not an expert um, on Osho. I have listened to him a ton, and he does mention it, but it's a much more vague mentioning of it. It's not, um, it's not as specific as somebody like Gene Hart. So he just... He basically says for those who are patient 
and those who are seeking the mystical wonders of the world are waiting for you. So he'll say it in like those terms. That's why I wonder if he's just giving people direction to meditate on the moon, because, you know, if you use that as an object and then you go to sleep, the kind of impression that was, uh, if you meditate on the moon for an hour, that's a huge impression for, um, going to sleep on un- uninterrupted and the same reason why we try to en- envision the loading program or we even talked about the beach or certain places that we recognize uh and maybe it, it goes the same thing if he's saying picasso was like a ego driven more on the demonic side of artists then if you were to meditate on that would that send you into some of the lower levels of consciousness uh, created by him. Yeah. And the the moon's interesting because from the point of view from Osho, like, don't forget, like, he's fully in explanation that the moon is entity. So it's the sun and the moon. Like, it's it's like the father and the mother of divinity. So he... There's an object there that's represented by the moon, but when he's telling it, there's a much deeper spiritual concept that there is entity in the physical moon itself that spiritually can be realized if you merge that subject and object. As a reflection or actually in the moon? I think actually in the moon the same way actually in the sun except the sun is not as you you can't have that direct contact with the sun the way as easily as you can have that direct contact with the moon Mm -hmm. and yeah i i believe he's he's explaining entity that you can interact with through spiritually blending the subject and object there something to explore for sure yeah yeah it was on it was really on time for me because i've i've done a lot of divine mother um stuff this week it just keeps coming up and i've been finding myself more comfortable praying um my understanding of the divine mother is, is in the role of, you know, Kali, like the one who is going to slay the ego that you have comprehended. And it can only be done through prayer and asking and your judgment of your own ego and your sentencing of elimination where you now need the divine mother's grace and divinity in order to destroy those parts of yourself that you've deemed unworthy. And it was interesting to me, the timing um, where he's um, going into the moon. So I thought that was, that was meaningful for me. Um, There's like 150 hours of Osho that I have on me. And it's like, this one just kind of hit like right in good time. So, so it's interesting that when you say the word prayer, it's definitely something to dissect because 
uh, over a long period of time, I've used very minimal words. I mean, like very minimal. And meditation for me was silence and meditation was um, understanding that, you know, especially when I first started to meditate, it's like the, uh, the sun on a vampire to an ego it just scorches in the very beginning. And it's very hard to start, sit still. Um, so that's like the first step of, um, you know, the awakening or the ego getting burned is you stepping out as a vampire into the light. And it's like, you know, a sizzle. And then, you know, at that point, there was no, no words, but a sincerity of wordless determination. And I think it needs to be said as far as like, I think there's different forms of communication too, because sometimes I do feel the need definitely with you and um, a lot of other people you've heard. I think vibrationally I've said some things out loud that I wouldn't have in the past, just as more of affirmations, but that's not the way I've always been for sure. Um, and for example, say I were to meditate on, something that uh, I believe is, is part of my ego that needs to die. And I, I have it in my mind's eye and I'm meditating and I'm, I'm feeling the emotion or, you know, feeling if does resentment pop up, like what, what needs to be let go here? What is, what is, what needs to die? And then that comes with a level of sincerity for one, for me just sitting in the chair like that's the first prayer. The first prayer is like the choice of sitting down because 95 out of a hundred people don't even make that first prayer. And then, so the sincerity of sitting in the chair and then there's, there's something to do with that silence as well. Um, but as you were talking, I was just kind of seeing, you know, is it the same for everyone or are there certain things that need to be voiced with conviction? And then I'm also trying to discover, like you said, a lot of the things I've learned with the Gnostic lessons and as we pressed on is that you may need some assistance to get to the mystical. And that's something that I've, I've learned over the last six months because you know like i said you know you can get to peaceful spiritual okay with with who you are and where to find love inside and understand what anger is and all of that is now easily managed in your life but the question of when does that sincerity need to go to because i think i see you do that more Yeah. When the initial wake up when you called it entity, there's there's a sensation of like a total retreat from that system. So there's anger, that's obvious. 
that anger comes with bad feelings, that's obvious. But the part that's not obvious is how it was connected to parts of you where you identified with it. That's the part that's not obvious. And then when you totally reject it, what you've done is you've taken all your consciousness and you've got it out of that situation. And now you're just looking at it. But there's no more of you left in it. And that's that state of elimination. But I think what happens when we descend or we ask to go in and understand on a deeper level, like into the self subconscious, like where's my suffering and how do I eliminate it? It's tangled in, in so many different ways. And in order for it to be eliminated, all that trap consciousness must be out of it. You because it is an act of murder, but the mother's not going to murder any part of you. So you got to get the retreat out of these multiple legion of suffering. But what's difficult is there's there's connections that you're unaware of. That one that day, I just, I got a clean snap. I got a clean separation. But as I continue to do work, it seems like it's more complicated. Like there's, there's hidden connections and stuff that I'm not aware of that takes extra time and extra thought. So the prayer is help me comprehend all the different ways that I'm connected to this because my judgment has already kicked in. I don't want this anymore. I see it's causing me suffering. Yeah. And the only way for you to be an appropriate master would, would be to experience what you did and then, um, then say, now I want to descend and go see all the subconscious and the inner workings of it. And that's, that's how the beautiful master is born. Cause you're now yeah. willingly asking with sincerity. You've seen yes. divinity and now you're asking a descend to ascend, which is right. Which is the journey and the path from right. But there's there and there's always there's stuff connected to you that you're ignorant of. Yeah. Yeah, I could see and that totally. Like I have a really good example. So like we've talked about road rage and I'm on the road all the time. And it was it was last week and somebody cut me off like to such a degree that I had to like turn the wheel and apply the brakes. Right. So it was one where I needed physical action. But then I realized as soon as the physical action goes, like the anger just comes out. It's just expletives and anger just come out of my mouth. And this was all within like five seconds. But as it came out, I was just like, oh, my God, I saw it right away. But I didn't know that my physical actions 
would cause the anger to spike like that. So like on a normal road rage, if you're like 10 cars back and, you know, somebody's on the cell phone and they're not and they're you know, driving like an idiot, you're just 10 cars back and you're totally zen. You're like, oh, that guy's not doing correct stuff, but you're not bothered by it. You're not angered by it. But if you actually have to do physical action, it's so the anger is connected like literally to the muscles and the bones. And as soon as you activate it, it keeps coming up. It boils up. Now, I caught it within five seconds. I just couldn't believe it came out of my mouth because I'm cursing this guy out. And as soon as it comes out, I'm like, oh, my God, I couldn't even stop that. It was out before I could even notice it. But it's because my arms and my feet were all engaged. <laughs> it's, I can't see that. I mean, I can see it happening and then seeing you observe yourself within and probably having a 10 minute spiel after that about how you let this anger go. It actually happened to me this morning. I forgot something and I had to do a U-turn and I was like, I mean, it was a split second. I was like, and I was, and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Um, but it comes out and it just as soon it's like as soon as you see the breath mm-hmm. like it's it's out at that moment yeah <laughs> oh where where did that come from yeah but i mean and what you're seeing there is you're seeing a puppet string you're seeing yourself react to like somebody up here you know pulling on your little puppet string and i what the connections, what I, what I end up finding interesting though, like I didn't realize the connection of the physicality, like I should have realized, but I, I didn't, but there's all kinds of those little things where your entanglement is much deeper than what you can understand. And so that's what I think the prayer comes in because you can even be shown stuff and you um, you can have insights through dreams. But I th- it for me, I think it's helping to just out loud admit my in- ignorance, admit I don't see all the connections, admit it's more complicated than I'm aware of, and just humble yourself. Instead of trying to just constantly, for me especially, instead of just trying to figure it out in my brain like it's a project. And then just ask, help me understand this. Yeah, just to the point of asking you shall receive, like there's nothing more powerful than, than the ask of like, what's the next step on your spiritual path? Because that, that's when it when we talk about all the famous verses that's exactly what uh they're referring to is not trying to figure it out but understanding your i guess that's where the help come from on the other side because you can't necessarily see into your subconscious all the time i don't know i don't know what what's next so the affirmations and the um, the things that you you know write down right before you go to bed, I think 
specificity is like super important to really claim because I, what I've noticed is it can get really broad and all of a sudden you lay down and you're like, I'm going here. No, I'm going here. No, I planned on going here. I'm, what are, no, I need to like, well, you need to focus on what do I need? What's the most important thing? And I think you said it best. It's like, what is the most important thing that I need to understand right now on my spiritual path? And that's a seed like super powerful seed. Like it doesn't get any more powerful than that because as you can see, I mean, things just kind of unfold on the road um, and you progress from there without effort. Yeah. And that's where it brings me to like, um, meditating on things like meditating on like connections of things or if if you see a connection but you you don't really understand it you know or maybe it'd be easier to just go back and like use an example like um the road rage incident so you want to go back and you want to meditate on that incident to understand it better like there's got to be a way to sever that connection. Like even if you're seeing it fast, that's fine. But why is that connection there? And so how do you meditate on, on that incident of anger? My So I did not meditate before I left the house today. So anytime I do that, I, I lose like a little time gap to where uh, you would be susceptible. Um, that first meditation of the day gives you a little time gap. I don't know if you meditated first thing in the morning or not before you left, but that first meditation is critical. If I wanted to like experience the feeling of that, um, that's a tough one for me because I've, you know, I only get feelings if there's something involved that I need to drop, like, towards another person. And then I can see the mind's eye, and I can feel the emotion, I can feel the judgment. And that was a random act this morning that seemingly just came out of nowhere. So, I mean, I'm open to hear what you have to say about that. But for me, just it, it has to be specific to something or someone that, that, that makes something rise in me. And then I have to look at it in the face and just feel it and understand that. Um, I think someone, it's a pretty good point. Someone put on Twitter, uh, what is forgiveness? And when I, was even more stupefied in my younger, younger days. What I thought forgiveness was, was completely um, irrelevant. But the not resenting or resisting the temptation. So a good way to practice forgiveness, which goes in hand in hand with uh, uh, um, how you kind of dissolve this stuff or dissolve these, these things inside is that if it comes up and then the ego wants to 
take the prize of that resentment and then you start to feel good from it. Just like lust or anything else. You get a feeling from lust and you want to keep in that feeling. And then all of a sudden it's got you, it's got you, it's got you. And so you're like, no, I'm, I can't do that. Same thing with anything, but ego loves like the feeling of resenting someone, especially if someone wronged you because that's its revenge. It's feeding off of it. So my answer on that question on Twitter was not resenting. Very simple. Because when I figured that out, I was like, oh, it's kind of like when you were walking, oh, all you have to do is drop your judgment. Well, yeah. So, but yeah, you can get really specific. Like there's things that you probably don't even know. There may be things that I haven't discovered in my subconscious that um, are are really deep. I and 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 when they bubble up i might feel this emotion i've never had and that's okay to have the things down there that may come up it's just when they do come up and they surface and you're like oh i see it now so this is where i'm supposed to get my revenge or resent but if you just resist that then it dissipates another one gone doesn't mean it won't come back but if it comes back you resist it the first time it's gets less and less each time so it dissolves that way but um yeah just the anonymous like seeing something come out of you that didn't even need to come there i i i don't know how to meditate on that because to me it was dissolved when i made the u-turn because it was like oh i saw the breath come out I'm like okay that's gone <laughs> I don't think that one's coming back. Yeah. And just from going over um, a lot of the podcasts and stuff recently, um, they, they do get into the mechanics. And when I heard them, I'm like, yeah, I, it's interesting where, so in that instance on the anonymous bout of anger, you would, meditate and you would replay it in your mind's eye and you would be focused on you were actually kind of opened up with this you would be focused on what you're feeling like that's that's the key so replaying it and understanding the feeling understanding how the feeling like that's what we both just said the the feeling comes but it gets some kind of exponential value where it gets amplified but we're unaware of the feeling amplifying because we're stuck in either i forgot something or i feel justified and this guy is doing something wrong i'm justified up here but i'm unaware of the feeling here in the heart so what he's what they're saying with the gnostic disciplines is replay it Make sure you're not adding anything to it. You're replaying it exactly the way it was. And then focusing on the feelings. And then trying to understand and comprehend the feelings and how they were attached to you. That's a very, very good point as far as replaying because I'm meditating on things. You, There may be for the average person, say 10 traumatic events. And I'm 
I use the word traumatic because there's there's different degrees. There's ones and twos, which is probably me. Ones and twos and threes, and there's some people that have seven, eight, and nine. So I'm not I'm not trying to say like there's definitely different degrees of of traumatic things that people go through. And but as far as just your average, you know, like fights in school or things that really could have elevated your anger and you know i can remember especially meditation uh, over the years of meditation replaying those events and manifesting that anger in in my mind's eye and feeling it to the degree of okay i know that's there but that's not the only time it's been replayed like replaying it and understanding, I think what you just said, like you have to have the ability to squash that, to replay it and resist the temptation for anything to rise up. I think that's the goal for it to be eliminated because just like lust, it's, it's so similar to lust. Lust pops up and the feeling gets you and you're like, you know, it just, you get entangled and you want to say, oh, I can feel this. I can feel what it feels like. And then you're, you're like, oh yeah, in five minutes I can pull back from this. Yeah. I'm going to learn from it because I'm going to feel it for five minutes and then I'm going to pull back from it. But that's a trap too, because yeah, I'm strong enough to be in a lust storm for five minutes and pull back. And I'm strong enough to be in a resentment storm and pull back after five minutes. But I think the key for elimination is being able to replay those traumatic events in your life with nothing there, no judgments. And as soon as you do that, I think that's when you start to dissolve Something I talked about in the very beginning is like the Ferris wheel of pain. Everybody has that endless loop in their head over their whole life that, you know, people build constructs like you and you would say, you know, those are gone, but they're really, they're still involved in your daily behavior because they're in your subconscious. So they're playing a role, even though people might be ignorant to it or unaware of it. Um, the most powerful thing I ever heard was understanding that your subconscious determines your be, uh, uh, behavior on a daily ba- basis, but that's not visible to your awareness. Like, think about that. Like the one thing that's most impactful to your behavior on a daily basis is your subconscious that your awareness does not see. And that's the shadow work of the of the spiritual life we're talking about. So the biggest thing for me is there are traps along the way because your ego will say, dude, you could feel this shit for two minutes because you're strong. Yeah, that's that's good. I I just I wanna really dig in there. Um Yeah, please. There's And I'm not saying I'm doing it right or anything, but again, one of my understandings of self is I don't have a lot of emotional construct in my history. 
So you're saying like to, to keep it simple and like take the anger analogy, I'm going to replay it. I'm going to try to understand my feelings. I want to see and feel that anger. But when I start to feel that anger, I'm not going to let it be anger, but I'm still feeling something. I'm just now not letting it be anger. Yeah, you're... And yep. Is that the transmutation yes. process? Yes. And so it ends up feeling good, but it's like you say, it's very tricky because if it is anger, it's going to feel good too. Because the ego is going to like to feel the anger. But... It's an actual feeling, but you've disconnected yourself from the, in this case, probably superiority of that moment. You disconnected yourself from that anger. But it doesn't necessarily mean I feel anything less. Right. In terms of sensation in the body or something tangible. Yes, you're. that's transmutation. It's rising up and you are, so the anger can rise up but adding the resentment is now now you're um now you're for lack of a better word playing god and the not right. resenting is more of thy will instead of my like the ego wants to no this is my game i'm going to resent the hell out of this person like this is my game right so that but something's going to rise up and it is going to be a feeling but the natural thing to want to do the ego is going to want to say you know we're resenting the hell out of this person because um they wronged you and it's feeling that rise up but not take the bait of of that and um letting that dissolve but it's i think it could be even more tricky for you because i don't know how you de dealt with things your whole life like i i'm I'm not so sure that your ego and your construct outsmarted you for a really long time. And there could be some, some, a lot of subconscious things going on that Cause I have a landmark as a person who always felt in kind of led with the heart. I have landmarks. So I don't know if like, you as a person and how your construct was built that you have landmarks to see just as though you're saying like last night, something, you know, you discovered something, which was, you know, I'm, I wouldn't have, that was, that was something that anyone would have been ignorant to. Um, but is it different for the way you, dealt with things your whole life and that type of person too. I mean, we're talking about two different intellectual strong or heart strong. Um, we just have the perfect example to kind of share the, the two differences. And what I'm saying is, did that actually protect you in a lot of ways too? Or is it just that you have a more buried subconscious that is more unseen than you think? I don't know. Yeah, I do have one landmark and that is like I go past the like that's where I would have shut it all down. 
that that point right there. If I felt I would have shut it down as soon as I felt that. Like that's my one landmark is as soon as I would have started to feel something, I would have shut it down. But I always thought that was control. I convinced myself that that was control. So my one landmark is I'm always going way beyond because I go right past that landmark now and I'm just interested in what that feels like. But most of the time when I'm in that mode and enthusiastic in terms of feeling something, ever since, I mean, even the stuff that, I mean, you would consider negative, it ends up being, there's like almost like no feeling that's not a good feeling. I mean, I don't want to tempt fate. I'm sure that, you know, in the hell realms, I, I can be clobbered. But I'm, in terms of like my waking life, I mean, even that anger, when I go back to it, um, it ends up being a good feeling. But I, I think I can discern. I don't think the good feeling is... Um, just piggybacking on the anger because it's justified. Like I, I feel like at least that part, when we're dealing with these silly ones like road rage, I I feel like at least that part has been um, disconnected where I understand that anger is just poisonous. And I refuse to let the ego cling on to like, silly versions of anger now with stuff that, you know, doesn't have any real significant thing to do with me. Have you replayed the Will Smith slap in your face and tried to see if any emotions rise up? Well, only because, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, only because this year, and I mean, it keeps getting replayed on TV this, um, when the Oscars were just coming on. Um, so I don't even have to do it in my mind's eye. I definitely don't get angry. I, I do get sad. I do get, I mean, it's moving every time I see it, but I'm not angry at Will Smith. I'm not even angry at like, you know, the Hollywood crowd. I'm just, when I see it now, it's the same thing with, a lot of things when i see it now i'm much more compassionate and it's it's not as if like i've um i just understand how intense the self trickery was so therefore i know that what they're engaged in is certainly unconscious behavior. And as soon as like you can just see it as unconscious behavior, you can just take compassion on that situation in a much more heartfelt way. So I think you just explained exactly if for anyone that's replaying something in your head until you have the state of compassion because that that's what has to come in if there's no resentment what comes in compassion Mm -hmm. there's only two options you either have compassion for the moment and let it dissolve 
or you feel that emotion rise up and you think, well, I'm going to resent. That's really the two things. So what, what you just said is exactly what an awakened objective standpoint would be. Um, and that, that's how you would dissolve anything, um, specifically in meditation is how you're handling situations that you specifically want to rise up that, you know, help shape your subconscious and have these imprints on you that you can look at with compassion. And if you're at that point, then that's the, that's, that's the objective view like the divine view it's compassion. And I, since you brought it up, I think my times were off on last podcast too, because I attribute like the year anniversary to June when we started the podcast, but your awakening was actually like year anniversary would have been like yesterday, the day after the Oscars, yeah. right? Which is in March. So we had the end of March, April, May, and then we started a podcast like two and a half months later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so time has been like, not, when I think about it now, I'm like, okay, Kane had this grand awakening. Now it's been one year. We started the podcast two and a half months later, which it, it felt like we started it right after you had your awakening. So that's kind of baffling. That two and a half months, I don't know what went on in that time. And now fast forward, what, about eight months, nine months on the podcast, and it's been a year. I can't believe that. That's like, it's been like a short amount of time and a long amount of time all in the same. Yeah, time's definitely been weird. Yeah, it's it's fun when the Oscars um, is there. I mean, there's so much replay of it. And when it comes on now, I mean, it, what you said about compassion is perfect. But it compassion is, I think, before, you know, it's, it's as if it's like a virtue that you need to... Um, like finding yourself or something, but that's not quite right. Like it's actually like a mechanical reaction to understanding your own self-deception. Understanding your own self-deception is what enables the compassion. It's very, very mechanical. Like it's gifted to you from self-realization. And then through that compassion, you don't have to find yourself caught up. I mean, there's, I'm sure, circumstances where I can still get angry, but I don't have to get caught up in like the silly, you know, TV matrix politics, current events stuff where, you know, the machine is just trying to make you, you don't have to get caught up in that because you can just see something right away. And you don't even really have to get involved with like who's right and who's wrong and who's justified. You can just take one look at it and say it's all unconscious behavior. And therefore there's compassion. Life becomes so much more simple, but it's that compassion is not 
that compassion is just very, very mechanical. Yeah, it's, 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 it becomes the only option if you're not going to resent. So it just becomes, there's, it's not like there's multiple options out there. Do this, 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 or this. I mean, uh, being the beings that we are, there's really, I mean, kind of, I guess where, where you get the whole good and evil thing that's, you know, sides have, have formed because there's that choice. But once the resentment is not there, there's nothing left but compassion. It's, it's the only other option. Um, and it is gifted to you after you drop the resentment because there's no, there's no fuel to that ego anymore. So the natural state is compassion. It's natural. Um, it's just getting the ego out of the way, which is kind of along, along the lines of what we've been talking to tonight and how, how far into the subconscious do you go to fully eradicate? We shall see the work well, yeah, in progress in year two. You, you take that gift of compassion and now you take it inside on your journey within yourself into the layers of legion within yourself. And that's what, that's what gives you the mechanism. Because if you went in there without compassion, you would just be turned around and fooled and identified and it would it would it would work you over but if you can go in with compassion which is now compassion for your own systems of trapped consciousness that you have throughout your being and you can understand these things with compassion and you can see them with compassion i think that's that's the lifeline that you go in there with that that's how you're able to descend in and explore that area the way that you are because if you didn't have that for yourself it would i think it would be very very dark it would be very um it would be very difficult but once you're given that compassion i think that's kind of one of the things you're supposed to do with it you turn it back in on you with that deep understanding of compassion as uh what's the guy's name in thailand forgot his name he always says compassion 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 yeah he's full of compassion Shout out our homie in Thailand. You know who you are. Oh, yeah, the prodigal son. Joseph. Oh.